Oh, this this is bad. Of course, Lovey Elias preaching prosperity gospel. Let's talk about it here on All Things Theology. All Things Theology, All Things Theology, we chop it up properly without an apology. Gotta get that theology to God, hallowed because this is how we do it at All Things Theology. Grace and peace and welcome back to another episode of All Things Theology where this is your host K-Dub and today we're going to be responding to Lovi Elias talking about the prosperity gospel and guys and if you think some of the commentary that I've done uh, in the past this this is going to I don't know if I can say tip the tip of the iceberg but it's going to be just as bad um Someone sent me this sermon or this Bible study actually from about three years ago. And I want to give some commentary because this man still believes this stuff. Um, and you can tell it's from three years ago because it's uh, he doesn't have the dreads and probably because uh, the dreads he has now are dread extensions. You'll see what I mean. But nevertheless, we're going to respond to uh, his commentary on this Bible study. And I'm going to start with something I... Uh, well, let, I'm going to disagree with something first and then uh, show why I agree with what he said. You guys see what I mean. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk about it. Those who are spiritual need to understand what is happening in the realm of the spirit. That this is coming up now. Why did it not come up 10 years ago? Why did it not come up 20 years ago? So I, I, I think maybe he's not aware of this. But what he's talking about is why is like the prosperity coming up? Uh, just now, why, why was nobody talking about, you know, disagreeing with it, uh, three years ago? And I would just say, uh, they were, I mean, I, I, one of the most famous critics that I, I would recommend people to is John Piper. Um, you know, many people have been exposing the prosperity gospel. This isn't nothing new. Maybe he just became aware about it, uh, at this moment in time, but to say, uh, you know, why has nobody been talking about it until now, which is uh, three years ago, just for context, is maybe just shows how he isn't aware. But look, I'm going to actually agree with what something he says here. Uh, let's play it. Why is it that now some people are saying it's bad? Some people are saying it's good. What is really the mind of God? So what I want to talk to you today is to remove and to expose the truth of God's mind. Now, I want you to know something. My opinion, my opinion will not help you. Wow. Your pastor's opinion will not help you. The only opinion that a man and a woman of God should and will represent is the mind of God. Now, I, I agree fully. I, I, I think he's absolutely spot on. The problem is, is Lovi has said in the past, some of you guys may re uh, remember if you watch his channel, he said in the past that if you're just going to hear the word of God and not the pastor, then you just need to go home, right? <laughs> so, you know, maybe there's a development here, which he wasn't, uh, you know, at this point in time, he didn't always hold that, but now he, do now he does. But again, I agree with this, but... What he says today actually contradicts what he said. Uh, just, just thought that was ironic, but ooh, let him continue. Yes, amen. So it doesn't matter if I think if prosperity gospel is true or it's false. Yeah. What matters the most is what does God say concerning it? 
Whatever God says, even though my feelings may not agree, even though my pastor will not agree, (laughs) even though I will be unsettled inside of me, it is irrelevant if the word of God establishes it and says it is true. Again, there is truth in that, right? At the end of the day, none of our uh, feelings on the subject matter. It only essentially matters what uh, God says about a subject, right? And again, this is what I've said in the past, that the preacher essentially should be the mouthpiece of God. He And he should get out of the way. He should only say what thus saith the Lord says, which again, he has contradicted that so many times. But let's get in this next clip uh, here. Let's talk about it. So the reason why we have all these opinions and all these thoughts is simply because we don't actually know what the word of God says. Again, I agree. Problem is, he's going to contradict the Bible quite a few, quite a few times here in this uh, Bible study, which I'll demonstrate. Can I be honest with you? Be honest, brother. Anyone who tells you the prosperity gospel is false. It's a lie from hell. Ah, wow. Okay, so anybody saying the prosperity gospel is false, I'm assuming he's saying what they're saying about it is a lie from hell. But watch this. Wow, wow, wow. There's no such thing as prosperity gospel. Okay, so <laughs> so what they're saying about the prosperity gospel is false, but there is no prosperity gospel. Now, if you want to be even more confused, watch this. <laughs> God himself is prosperity. Amen. Amen. Okay, so what they're saying about the prosperity gospel is a lie from hell. There is no prosperity gospel, and God himself is prosperity. Um, so many confusing statements just made in that, uh, let me, let me just look at you to show you that what that, what that said was, uh, just absolutely foolish. I would act, make, act, actually make the argument that the prosperity gospel, that the prosperity gospel itself is a lie from the pit of hell, but I'll, I won't just assert that I'm going to show you biblically. First, first of all, we need to define what the prosperity gospel is generally by those of the proponents argue that it is the will of God that you should be rich, right? You shouldn't, you should be wealthy and healthy, um, as a benefit or a favor, uh, uh having the favor of God, right? Um, some even go to, uh, I don't want to even argue an extreme. It's in the tenets of the prosperity gospel that, um, you know, even the way we speak can conjure up uh, God's prosperity blessings upon our life monetarily. Uh, how in, uh, our tithing can unlock God's prosperous gift. I make the argument that the prosperity gospel is a works-based gospel because it is not the free gift of God, which, uh, you know, gets you salvation, this this fullness of life, eternal life. The fullness of salvation in the prosperity gospel is not just justification. It's not just the spiritual blessings, but it is uh, physically uh, blessing now, right? And those who do not have that physical bless- blessing, uh, lack of faith is attributed to you of some sort. But when we go to the Bible, this is not the central message we see. Although it is, 
undeniable that God does bless his uh, children physically sometimes, uh, which I would attribute to the providence uh, and the common grace of God. But God also does that to the unbeliever. Let's 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 just make this clear. You don't have to be you don't have to want to want God. You don't have to desire God at any level to want physical blessings. I mean, that was the very thing with uh, I think of. um, uh, Simon the sorcerer. He wanted the power of the Holy Spirit, but not God himself, right? He wanted to do these things. I mean, many people in the Bible wanted the riches without wanting God. And that's exactly what Romans 1 gets at. When man, he wants, uh, you know, they worship creation rather than the creator who is forever blessed. Amen, right? Let me go. Let me show you a biblical passage which fundamentally denies what is being taught here. Uh, let's see here. First uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Notice, I want you to notice and pay attention to what's being said. Is it the will of God every time for a Christian to be rich? I emphatically answer no. And this is one of the texts that I've used in the past to demonstrate that. 1 Corinthians 4. We'll start at verse 8. And what is going on in this passage is a bit of apostolic sarcasm. You'll see what I mean once you read the text. It says, starting verse 8. Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You know, the, the, the irony about this is that uh, the church of Corinthians was being persecuted. Um, they, they weren't, but though they, they were acting like it, right? Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. <laughs> you see the, the sarcasm, the humor here. He says, for I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are full for Christ's sakes, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrespute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed. And buffeted and homeless. Does it sound like the, the the apostles were living their best life now? Absolutely not. Right? We're buffeted and homeless. And we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we retreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world. The refuse of all things. Wow. You, you, you know what's amazing in that passage? And, and, and when you go throughout all of scripture, the sufferings, sharing in the sufferings of Christ are considered a blessing, right? We could, we are deemed worthy. We, we don't even deserve to suffer, be persecuted alongside the namesake of Christ. But it is not the will of God that every Christian should be rich, right? I am not denying prosperity. I am, hey, look, if you can... Um, earn a, a wealthy living, you know, hopefully being generous with that as well, uh, do so. I'm not saying the gospel is to be poor. I'm saying the gospel uh, produces a contentment, rather rich or poor. It doesn't produce either, but rather it should produce contentment in whichever we have, right? Not um, being lovers of money, right? Uh, matter of fact, we're, we're not to desire that ambition, the riches, uh, the Bible tells us. If we get it, hey, to the glory of God, right? But what he said was indefensible. Sorry, I have to share that context, but let's get back into this video. Amen. You cannot separate prosperity from God. You can 
not separate the gospel from prosperity. Notice what he just said that is heresy. He says you cannot separate uh, the gospel from prosperity, which is <laughs> noted he, earlier. He said, right, there's no such thing as the prosperity gospel. That is literally the prosperity gospel. They say the exact same thing. So so for those who uh, are poor, we would have to argue then that they are actually not living um, in accordance with the gospel, that they have not received the gospel. He's he's going to make an argument in this video that receiving the gospel is to receive prosperity i.e. monetarily riches absolutely not my friends the the uh materialness of this life has nothing to do with the gospel there have been many faithful saints throughout history of this world who have lived faithful lives who have not um been monetarily blessed i mean i think of our brothers and sisters in africa who are holding it down man so so many of them uh, follow this channel. Tell me of this plague that is plaguing in Africa. And I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters in Africa who, despite the lack of uh, monetarily riches, man, some of them live more faithful lives than us. Right. Fervent in the gospel preaching. Um, and so I found that statement offensive to uh, brothers in foreign countries now who are suffering. I find that offensive to our brothers and sisters of the past who have suffered. And I find that message up, uh, uh, offensive to the apostles, which we've just read, uh, that they were often without lacking. The early church was not reign, ruling and reigning. They were persecuted. And it is an offensive message to what he just said. But let's continue with this mess. I'm just going to go blunt and tell you. Yes. Anyone who wants to tell you that the prosperity gospel is false is saying that God is not who he is. Let me ask you, let me... Let's well, first of all, he said there is no such thing as prosperity gospel. Now he's just saying if you deny the prosperity gospel, essentially paraphrasing, then you're actually denying who God is. So now the nature of God is at we're the ones being accused of denying the nature of God. You hear, you hear how twisted this is. You hear how demonic I would argue the prosperity gospel is. Boy, ain't no way, boy. Boy, ain't no way, boy. Yeah, but let's hear him. Choose common sense for a second before Com we go into scripture. Common sense. What do people? What are the streets of heaven made of? Gold. I can't hear you. Gold. gold. It's gold. made of gold. Gold, yeah. So somebody who has gold for streets, roads, what does that tell you about him? They have a lot of it. They have a lot of it. If in heaven people can walk, the highways are all made of gold. I wonder what they have in their house. If gold can be something that is on the street. <sighs> so he goes to the book of Revelation, right? The streets are made of gold. I would argue these are... Uh, typological aspects of heaven trying to portray a point uh, whether this is literal or physical is not the point of heaven right the point of heaven is god now he he is so you know this is what prosperity gospel preachers always do they're so fascinated with the with the things god gives right with uh you know even heaven right big gold and rubies uh, all these things my friend 
I want to go to heaven because God is there. What if you found out, let's just, since we're playing, uh, since we're using logic here, what if you found out hell had streets of gold? Would, would that somehow impress you? No, because we want to be in the favorable presence of God. We should not be tempted by streets of gold. That's not what draws us to God. I am not drawn to God because of what he gives to me. I am drawn to God because of who he is. Who he is is enough. Amen. He is worthy in and of himself. If God never gave you nothing, he would still be worthy of our worship and our praise. Right. I don't care about the streets of gold. That's not why I want heaven, right? What, what does the psalmist say? Whom I, have I in heaven but thee? And earth has nothing I desire but thee. My flesh, my heart may fail, but the Lord is my portion, right? The, the Lord himself, not what he gives to us. We cannot confuse what he gives with who he is. Sorry, I'm preaching here, but this is an important point. Let's continue. <laughs> Are you catching what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah it's heresy. <laughs> so if the streets of heaven can be made of gold, yeah. that tells you that God is a God of what? Prosperity. Prosperity. This is what you call in um, theological terms a hyper-realized eschatology, right? It is true that um, the believer... Right. When he gets to heaven, all things will be made new. Uh, right. We, we will have our, you know, we'll be, we'll be given our mansions. Right. We will be uh, restored to perfect health. Right. No weeping, crying ever again. But that is not the case in the present evil age. In the present evil age, there is filled with uh, disappointments, misery, persecution, weeping. Right. There's a time for weeping now. So this is what you call an over-realized eschatology. You're trying to take that which is in the consummation to bring it to this present age as a reality, which is not the case, especially for every Christian. And even those who have money, uh, they lack sometimes. Uh, the reality is we're all going to die, right? <laughs> so, so the prosperity gospel will come to an end uh, one day. Right. Even if you were to hold that position, but it's an inconsistent position, one with reality and biblical theology. Um, but let's continue with this, because this is where we start to get into some scripture. Let me show you something. This verse that I'm going to read, just this one. Should silence everything. Now, I like this because I am a proponent of, hey, give me your strongest argument for your position. Don't give me your lowest one, because when I knock that down, you'll say, well, you know, I got a better argument. Give me the better argument. So that way, if I deal with that, I can cast doubt on the whole thing. Right. So I like that he says that. So let's go back. Something. This verse that I'm going to read, just this one, should silence everything. Uh, so this one verse should end it all. This, this verse should prove you to the prosperity gospel. Let's get into it. Let's, let's, let's hear this text. You're going to read it, Bishop Claudius. Mm -hmm. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. All right. 2 mm -hmm. Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. 
For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh -huh. that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Is he talking about spiritually? Was Jesus spiritually poor? <laughs> There's no such thing as being spiritually poor. There's no such thing. Yeah. The Bible says all things are yours, past, present, and future. There's no such thing as being spiritually poor. So, <laughs> what? Bro, what are you talking about, man? He says there is no such thing as being spiritually poor. Well, I want to deal with this text, and then we'll go to the text to show how he's uh, ab abusing this text. Uh, I want to read a commentary because I think it's, it's helpful to understand what this passage is talking about. What the passage is not saying is that Jesus became uh impoverished to make you physically rich that is not what the text is saying because uh, then you have to ask yourself did jesus actually accomplish what he intended to do well it is not the case that every christian is rich so you would have to cast aspersions actually on the character of god it's actually they who attack the character of god not us who deny the prosperity gospel but let's look here real quick i want to read this let me take me off the screen so you can just see this uh, I, do, I do think this, this commentary is spot on. Let me just read it. In this section, Paul urges the Corinthians to follow through on a previous commitment to give money to meet the needs of suffering Christians in Jerusalem. He made clear in the previous verse that this is not a command. Let's just get that noted. It is an opportunity to express the love of Christ to other believers. Now he describes how contributing to this gift is Christ-like. And by the way, this is not a tithe. This is free given. We'll talk about that later. Jesus was rich and secure in the glory of heaven. He willingly became poor when he became a man. Now notice the poverty. The poverty, the poor is being rooted to the incarnation. Uh, I believe that's what, what, what it's mainly speaking about. Jesus, who possessed, who is the, the owner of all things, became a servant, a humble servant. Similarly, it's a, a Philippians 2 kind of gets into that, right? Uh, even the, that gets to even the humility, uh, right? Entering into the world of suffering and death and the flow of time on earth. He did this in order to die for the sins of humanity so that all who trust in him can be forgiven of their sin and one day experience the wealth of security uh, of living in the glory of, with God. In other words, this is important. Jesus demonstrated God's grace by willingly becoming poor, right? Rooted in the incarnation, a humble servant. So the Christian Corinthian Christians could become rich forever. And I say right now, presently, if you have trusted in Christ, you are rich. God has lavished his riches upon you in Christ Jesus. The book of Ephesians tells us that. Now the Corinthians had an opportunity to perform an act of grace themselves that would follow the example of Jesus' own sacrifice. So what it is communicating in this verse is, uh, if you actually follow the flow of the uh, argument, and I'll demonstrate that here in a second, is because Jesus modeled this example of giving, self-sacrificial giving, self-sacrificial giving. We as well should model that in our giving. Give freely. And if you would have just read the verses that came earlier, he would have known that. Let's look at this again. 2 Corinthians 8. Um, wow. I mean, just notice, look, look at verse one, <laughs> ask yourself, did the prosperity gospel hit this, hit this church? It says, we want you to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia for 
in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. Not these, these brothers were not just poor. They were extremely impoverished. Have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So you see the context of what's made. Though they though they are uh, poor, they are demonstrating generosity in their uh, giving. Right for they, verse three. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Brothers and sisters, I could keep going, but I think I've labored the point on this passage. His argument is not actually consistent with the own passage here, as well as the uh, uh, what the Bible teaches. But again, and one of the one of the mistakes of prosperity gospel preachers is every time they see anything about prosperity, right, riches, wealth, they assume some kind of physical reality of that. Um, he says there's no text that talks about being poor in spirit. I mean, the blessed are the poor in spirit, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't know how he can even make that argument. I mean, yes, the Bible talks about a spiritual poorness, uh, and, and that could be in numerous ways, um, right? Uh, I think of even the revelation that they claim to be rich, but they are poor. So even context uh, determines how we even understand the two ways poor in spirit can be represented, Um a lot of teaching going on here, but let's go. Job was the greatest man in the East, walked with God, spoke with God, very rich. Uh, wow, wow. David, very rich. Solomon, the man with the greatest wisdom, very rich. I mean, the list goes on, it doesn't end. So anybody who tells you, anybody who tells you that to prosper, or to have wealth is not the will of God. It's a lie. It's a lie from hell. Wow. You cannot separate the salvation of our soul with the blessing that comes with being a believer. And, that, and the last part is actually what's dangerous. I do not believe it's wrong that uh, men prosper physically. It is not a sin to be rich. There's a danger to it, but it's not a sin per se, right? Context matters. How you use your money is actually determinative of, of that. Um, but it's not a sin to be rich. Um, the issue is, he says, it is connected to the salvation of your soul, right? Let's, let's hear that last part again. Because I, I don't want to take him out of context. Job was the great with the blessing. The salvation of our soul. You cannot separate the salvation of our soul with the blessing that comes with being a believer. You can't. He says you cannot separate this. So prosperity and right standing with God cannot be separated according to um, Lovi Elias. There's a text I want to bring up just to show you how foolish this is. I mean, he, he essentially is arguing. Again, prosper, prosperity is connected to your right standing with God. So one would have to ask the question, well, if someone is poor, does that mean they're actually saved? Consistently, I don't see how he, how he could say, yeah, they're still saved. Let's look at this text. Notice what it says. And, uh, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So Jesus is actually teaching contrary to what was just taught by Lovi. Lovi says, yes, 
You can't separate this. But Jesus says, you better. <laughs> you know, that's the K-Dub version, right? He says, one's life doesn't consist in this, this, uh, over, this abundance of, of, of wealth and, your, and, and what you have. And I agree with Jesus over um, Lovi. It's one of those questions that make you ask, Wait a minute. Who are you? Who are you, sir? But let's continue because it gets worse. Seducing spirits will begin to speak to them and they will adopt doctrines of devils. What does it mean, a doctrine? If I am walking with the doctrine of God, I can be a Christian, but I don't have the doctrine of God. Even that's foolish. Let me give an example. God says to tithe, right? But I don't believe in that doctrine. Let's say an example. I don't believe in that doctrine. Now notice what's being called a doctrine of the devil. If you don't believe in tithing, you are preaching, according to Lovi Elias, a doctrine of devils, um, which I would argue the New Testament commands no new covenant believer to tithe. What we're actually commanded to do is free giving. If I'm compo if I'm uh, limited or I'm commanded to a 10 percent, that's not free giving. That's a command. That's a law. But I hey, give freely. Give however much you can and however much you want. Now, there should be giving. Uh, even the chapter he read, Second Corinthians eight, is a is a uh, you know guideline. I don't want to even say command. Uh, a guideline on Christian giving. Christians should be generous. But again, notice it's all surrounded. Well, the doctrine of devil is being surrounded by um, tithing. Interesting, huh? And then I am not tithing at all. What am I doing? I am giving heed to a seducing spirit and doctrines of devils. Because God is saying it is good to tithe. Me, I'm saying that I don't believe in that law. Because maybe the pastor is eating the money. Maybe the pastor is doing this. Maybe the pastor is doing that. That is not really my concern. My concern is to fulfill what God says. My concern is not really to investigate what pastor is doing. So he's, he's saying, even if the pastor is being frivolous with the money, you still need to give. I would say absolutely not. We are to be wise in our giving. Uh, if he would have just read further down, he would have saw how foolish his words were. Uh, let's start at verse th three. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit. That, that's what Lovi is doing. He's puffed up with conceit and he understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy, for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil, suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. <laughs> Isn't that what he's taught? There's no separation between uh, salvation and uh, physical wealth. That's Lovi being described here, but going further on, what is the great gain we should be? He says, now there is great gain, speaking in verse six, in godliness with contentment. Be content, brothers and sisters, with what you have. For we have brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. But watch this. Are we to be desiring, uh, can't disconnect the salvation versus the prosperity? Watch, 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 watch what verse eight says. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, right? <laughs> but if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. 
Verse nine, but those who desire to be rich, notice the, the desire to be rich, fall into temptation. I mean, you just read this whole passage, right? For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, right? But as for you, oh man, right? Uh, flee these things. That is all the things that were just mentioned, the desire to be rich, the, 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 the love of money. Oh man. Um, so much, so much goodness in there. In the Bible, that is, but not in um, <laughs> Lovies. L listen to this foolishness. Tradition of religious men tells you prosperity is not from God. It's not about prosperity. It, uh, well, those are two things. I would argue prosperity is from God, but it is not about prosperity. Again, evil men have riches, so it can't be about the money. It's only about the salvation of the soul. That is completely wrong. If you're going to believe the word of God, believe all of it. I would agree. Don't pick and choose what you want. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> it is the work of the devil to make you choose what you want. It is the work of God to give you everything. How can Jesus, our Lord Jesus choose to be poor so that you can be rich? But people say, no, he said so that we can be rich spiritually. There's no way it's talking about rich spiritually there's no such thing i would absolutely argue it is i think i think we've given passages on that um you know god lavishes his riches on us it's not talking about money right it's, it's talking even from the context it's about uh, uh, you know adoption right justification right grace not money isn't mentioned again prosperity preachers see money in every passage <laughs> Do you realize even the devil is spiritually rich? <laughs> what, how, how is he going to say there's no such thing as spiritually rich and then say the devil is spiritually rich? And then where does the Bible say that? Where, where, where is that in the Bible? No, 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 no. My goodness, man. Um, like, what? where is this coming from? You know? Boy, if you don't get... That is crazy. The Bible says... In the book of Ezekiel, you are cast down by reason of your beauty. The emerald, the topaz, and this, all these precious stones were, were, are on your body and they gave you arrogance. So even in heaven, people are wearing jewelry. <laughs> well, th that was talking about Satan being cast out. Uh, I know there, there's an interesting argument. I won't actually bring the controversy up here, but... Satan was cast out of that. So that's, an, that's not even talking about us being, you, you better hope you're not cast out of heaven, right? But that, that's an interesting statement there. Somebody will see you wearing a nice watch, nice glasses. They will say, ah, how can you be a man of God and wear things like that? Yet in heaven, there is gold. My goodness. But you think you're being more spiritual by rejecting gold, wearing sackcloths. <laughs> yeah, shots fired at John the Baptist, huh? I, I, you know, I come from the South, right? We grew up on spades and dominoes, and we had a phrase that says, "Not all good money is good money," right? Not all money is good money, and that is true physically. Sometimes, money is not from God in 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 the sense of maybe that's being used to draw you away from God, right? You know how many people have gotten their millions and forgotten God? That's why the uh. That's why, that's why David says, you know, let me not be too rich 
right? That I forget you, but not, let me not be poor so where I have to steal, right? We, I want contentment, man. That's, that is what the Christian should desire. Uh, we know how to abase. We know how to abound, as uh, Paul says, but I'm preaching here. People whose conscience is seared with an hot iron, they will never see the truth, even if it was before them. Uh, this this section was interesting because he's rebuking somebody who uh, <laughs> who uh, who's uh, disagreeing with him in the chat. If you ask them to give a scripture right now that justifies what they're saying, they will not have it. Number one, if somebody wants to argue scriptures, be ready because I have scriptures upon scriptures upon scriptures upon scriptures. And we see how you deal with the scriptures upon scriptures upon scriptures. Yeah, you, you abuse them. I am not a prophet because it's a title. I know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> we have read verses that are as clear as day. Why was the Lord Jesus in, in the temple telling people, looking at what people are giving? We're going to return back to that thought because this is a ridiculous point. But he says, I'm not a, I'm not a, he's boasting in his prophethood, which <laughs> the prophets weren't, uh, generally weren't well liked and weren't rich, uh, but interesting point there. But he again, I told you he's uh trying to rebuke somebody for um <laughs> watch how he handles this person. So when people want to say manipulation of scripture, just know that their conscience is seared with, with a demon. So he's he's calling people in the chat who are pushing back saying this is false. He's literally calling them demon possessed. They they have a demon, even though uh <laughs> so this is what you do when you can't right uh refute what somebody's saying you have to call them call them names right you got a demon you're a pharisee right Th those are, are meant to uh not actually engage the point somebody's bringing up but to uh just poison the well right everybody knows you're supposed to stay away from a demon and a pharisee so don't listen to that person since they're a demon and a pharisee right you're not actually proving anything you're just uh poisoning the well um yeah let's keep going it's a doctrine of demo, demons. Jesus is not telling you don't tithe. Somebody is telling you it is a Levitical law. Jesus is in the temple looking at what people are giving. Saying this one gave more than that one. <laughs> I want to uh, go to that passage because he sees Jesus observing um, people giving and he assumes, hey, that Jesus is actually um, giving, I guess, giving pats on the back, uh, approving of it. Uh, let's go to this passage because this is an interesting one. Now, I have given my uh, interpretation of this passage. I, I think it caused a great offense because many people think that I, I understand how tradition sometimes when you hear something for the first time, if you've had a traditional view, you can think that's so bizarre. And I remember when I first heard this text, but actually when I followed the lo the logic of it, the, the, the exegesis of it, it makes total sense. This passage has been used, you know, the woman with two mites, right? We, uh, people have historically used this passage to say, see, you give all you have. Even if you're broke, you give to la the last of you to God, right? Tithe it all, right? That's the, that's the common way this passage has been used. But that is not my position since I actually looked at what comes before the text. Let's do that here, please. Um, starting in, we're, we're in Mark 12. Verse 38. Let's read the text together, shall we? Um, it says, and in his teaching, so Jesus was teaching. 
Notice what he's teaching about. He says, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like, uh, oh yeah, let me zoom out a little bit. Who, who like to walk around in long robes in the greeting places in, in the marketplace and have the best seats in the synagogues in the places of honor and the feast who notice this part who devour widows houses. And for a pretense, make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Now watch this. So he's done with his sermon, his teaching. Now watch what happens. Right? Watch this. I need that sound effect. <laughs> and he sat down opposite the treasury. Watched and watched the people putting money in the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. So Jesus just got done teaching on the scribes and the Pharisees and how they abuse people. And now he's watching this scene take place. And I want you to watch what Jesus witnesses. And a poor widow, huh? Jesus just mentioned widows being devoured, right? Their house is being devoured, didn't he? Hmm. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. But for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Again, I know this text has been commonly used as see, this is Jesus commending her. I do not believe so. I believe Jesus is seeing an example of what he just taught on. Jesus talks about widows being devoured, their houses being devoured, right? They're being expunged. They're being abused for what they have. And here we have an example of a woman who comes to do the thing Jesus just got done teaching about, right? She just comes and these Pharisees, what, what's the point of this passage ultimately? Religious abusers will abuse even the lowliest of people and take advantage of them. That is the point of the passage, I believe. Not and, and notice, and, and again, would Jesus be con condoning the scribes and pharisaical religion? The, the very thing he was constantly uh, attacking and, and saying how wrong they are? Jesus is not giving them a pat on the back on how well they're tithing. He's showing how they abuse people, how even when the heart of religious leaders are so corrupt, they will abuse the lowliest of people, let alone the rich people. Everyone becomes a ploy for their religious desires. When you have uh, leaders who do not care to actually shepherd the people. I understand this may take some wrestling with, but consider what I've been teaching and consider the flow of the argument that is uh, in, in, in Mark 12. Again, I, I, I do think if that if you consider this, um, you, you will come to what I what I've uh, <laughs> what I've taught here. Uh, but let's actually continue with some other strange stuff, he says. But it begins with your soul. That is why the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all its cause or righteousness and everything else shall be added unto you.
which is not about material wealth. Is somebody got, got getting this? Yeah. And everything else shall be. Oh wait a second! I I I was actually supposed to finish uh, the the clip here. Oh. So when people want. Because I, uh, there's something that happened here. But some spirits are rattled. They want to. <laughs> Uh, please block them and remove them. <laughs> so he's uh, blocking the person who's uh, critiquing him and disagreeing. <laughs> Call them a demon. <laughs> Very interesting, huh? Up, up. That, that oh, yeah, up, he points about. Please, that, that person, person, block them, block yeah. them. <laughs> God did not send you. A demon sent you. <laughs> so, so I guess the person saying, you know, God sent me here to, you know, probably, probably saying to correct you. He's like, no, God didn't send you. A demon sent you for literally disagreeing with him. My goodness. Click on their name and, and remove them. Get them out of here. Get them out. Get them out. Hide their Why would you say that? Why would you say that? Come on, man. You don't got to do that. <laughs> uh, again, if someone's being uh, you know, abusive troll, right, I, I understand. But just, just disagreeing with you, right? Interesting. We ban them. Oh, you already did it. That's fine. Ban them. Demons, you see. Shame. Shame. Silence. Silence. <laughs> Let me, let me show you, let me teach you why. This is how you discover somebody who is, has a seducing spirit. You ready? Let me teach you how to discern somebody who has a seducing spirit. Let's hear it. Somebody who carries a seducing spirit, which is talking about doctrines of devils, giving heed to demons, is people who think they know more than the people that they are listening to. How dare you challenge me? You have a demon if you question what I'm telling you. <laughs> what arrogance. The, the hubris on this man. Number one, nobody listens to you. You don't <laughs> minister anywhere. You're a nobody. <laughs> this, my goodness, this gets worse the more I hear it. You don't help anybody. You don't change anybody's life. But you think you can just go to somebody's platform. That is you know, this is the common attitude when I, uh, when I critique people that I hear often. You know. This man of God, he's saving lives, leading people to Jesus. Who, who do you think you are to correct him? Nobody is above approached when it comes to getting correct, right? Anybody can get the work, as they say, uh, when it comes to that. Just because you have a large following does not mean you, you can't be wrong. You can't be corrected. So this is just, uh, again, another way to uh, fear people into not actually thinking biblically. Um, but let's hear what else he has to say there. Ministering to people, there is a reason why God has brought people to them to listen to them and not to you. That you have to go on people's streams to go and comment. So essentially he's saying, hey, I'm the person with the large platform. You're not. Therefore, I'm right. <laughs> Again, large numbers does not mean you're right. Otherwise, hey, the Mormons, you, hey, you, they, they have millions of people that follow them. So guess what? I guess we should go listen to them, right? Islam has more people following them than you have following you, correct? You see how absurd this goes when you actually uh, uh, stretch this logic? You, you challenge the logic to see its consistency? You are possessed. Yeah. First of all, in the realm of the spirit, there is something called spiritual protocol. God can never send somebody... Even though, let's say, let's assume, which I am not, let's assume prophet love is wrong. God will send you to find a way to talk to me. Well, you just blocked them. <laughs> so I guess they can't now. <laughs> because if you're coming where somebody is speaking the word of God and say, you are wrong. What are you trying to prove? Are you dividing the kingdom of God or are you building it? 
well, I think they're probably showing that you're not in the kingdom of God. But, you know, the apostles would oftentimes go in the temples where the Jews were having, uh, you know, their their teachings and tell and, and debate with them. So apparently to him, the apostles were wrong for doing that. Very interesting, huh? A few more clips, a few more clips. But it begins with your soul. That is why the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all its cause or righteousness and everything else shall be added unto you. He's uh, so worried about the, uh, <laughs> the comment section. Is somebody got, g getting this? Yeah. And everything else shall be added unto you. This is the problem that people have. Here's the problem. If I find the Lord Jesus, I have found the kingdom of God. Yeah. Because going to the kingdom of God or entering the kingdom of God, the only way is Christ. So if I have found Jesus, I have found the kingdom of God. So I need everything else to be added on me. Huh? What is everything else? The benefits of being in the kingdom of God. There is no poverty in the kingdom of God. There is no sickness in the kingdom of God. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. Again, this is what we call an over-realized eschatology. The kingdom of God, Jesus taught, was within. It is not that you can't look and find the kingdom of God physically here on earth. You can't go over there. Hey, give me a piece of the kingdom of God. No, the kingdom of, of God now is a spiritual presence. And this is the way that the kingdom already is a reality because it's within. This is why spiritual principles like adoption, sanctification, justification are already being experienced by the believer. And the future aspect of the kingdom will be present, will be physically present, right? It will be consummated. This is why in the future, no sickness. But now, oh yeah, you better believe it. Sickness, um, uh, persecution. Matter of fact, the Bible says it is the will of God that you suffer. Matter of fact, we are to share in the sufferings of Christ right now. I know this isn't popular. This doesn't pack a full house, right? <laughs> this won't get me on TBN. This won't get you on, uh, you know, the uh, some popular Christian channel telling you, you know, God wants you to suffer. <laughs> that doesn't. Where, where is the Christian encouragement, right? But the believer, right, knows how the sufferings and sharing in the suffering produces Romans five one through five, right? I believe one through five, one through four. It teaches about how this suffering is building something in us. So though we don't, we're not. We're not some kind of sick people where we're just looking for suffering. When it comes, right, as Peter teaches, we rejoice. Right? We don't go, you don't got, guess what, Christian matter? You don't got to go looking for it. It will find you eventually. Share your faith. <laughs> eventually, your Christian faith will cause some suffering. And when it comes, rejoice. You know why? Because it is doing something in you. It is building up endurance, patience, loveliness, holiness. That's why you can rejoice. You, you ever been in a situation where people thought you were crazy? The cancer came. Most people would be spazzing out. But the Christian says, unto you, Lord, you are still good, right? We can still say he is good. And it's, to and, 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 and it's oftentimes in these deadly diseases and infirmities, right, afflictions, where friends or even ourselves have, it often causes us to think heavenly, heavenward, right? Where oftentimes we're so temporal, 
right? We think about the money, the bills, all, all the present stuff, right? Which I'm not saying we shouldn't, but we need to keep an eye on eternity. What really is going to matter in a thousand years, right? We're in heaven living for eternity. What really is going to matter? The prosperity gospel has no view of that. It is all present, all here. As a matter of fact, there's a theology that condemns that, right? You're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. My friend, I am not heavenly minded enough. Many times we are so temporally minded, we're no heavenly good. How about that? Let's turn the rolls back around us. All right. I'm getting hyped up. I hope you guys enjoy this kind of teaching because I think this is, is, is so important, one, biblically, but practically. Because I have known people when they didn't get the sham that the prosperity gospel promised them, right? When they didn't get the sham that that broad road leads to, they leave because they were preaching a different gospel, promising something that the gospel does not promise here and now. The gospel does not promise you, you will be rich now, physically. The gospel promise is you have Christ. My friends, if you come to the gospel for anything other than Christ, you have a false gospel. You have a false God, right? To quote Shailen, if you come to Jesus for money, he's not your God. Money is, right? If you come to Christ for anything other than the gospel, the, the pure gospel, you, you have an idol. And that idol needs to be killed. You need to repent and turn to the true and living God. Amen. Amen. One more clip. <laughs> One more clip, guys. I'm going to finish with this. Please do. This is why you need to reprogram your mind to the word of God. Yeah. See how the men of God in the Bible, God blessed them. And a lot of them, some of them were rich, but a lot of them weren't, which establishes the point I make that. Following God is not a promise to earthly physical blessing, as he claimed. And understand that God blessed them because it's a foreshadow of where you're supposed to be. Amen. I receive. How Amen. can the world be blessed by you if you have nothing to bless the world? Mm. Notice Jesus, our Lord. The Lord Jesus is not saying, don't just tell them God bless you. Give them something. Notice what he says. He essentially argues, you poor Christian, you are no good if you don't have physical things. I'm reminded of the book of Acts where the man came to them begging. And what did Peter say? Silver and gold I do not have. But right, what I have, Christ, I give to you. That message is foreign to the Bible. Poor Christian, rich Christian, you both can honor God. You are not on disobedience because you're poor unless you've, you know, uh, you're poor because of, you know, your frivolous spending. That's a whole nother subject. But if you're working hard with your hands and living paycheck to paycheck, there's no shame in that. And no one should shame you. Um, poorness is not some sickness. It's not some disease. The Lord said the poor will always be with you. And so I hope this got I hope this was edifying i hope you you leave here this podcast especially leave here blessed that god is greater than riches physical riches right he's greater than that 401k 
that IRA, you know, that that Roth account you got stored up. We have we have riches reserved for us in heaven where moth cannot destroy, where rust cannot destroy, right? We placing our spiritual riches in above. That's what my Bible says. Hope you guys enjoy this message. Till the next time, grace and peace. Yo, grace and peace. Thank you for watching another episode of All Things Theology. If you enjoyed what you heard today, go on and give me a like. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. I promise to give you weekly videos, lives, interactions, exposing false teachers, sharing with you, the viewer, my theological beliefs, things about the culture and the Bible. So if you're here for that, come on and join us. Thank you.